Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the Down Ballot Podcast. The show's live on Twitch. Check out twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia. We're live basically seven nights a week there. It's a lot of fun, and I hope you join the now space. Also join our Discord at discord.me slash echoplex. Enjoy the show. At some point we are going to have to do a whole show about how good this show sounds. Yeah. 
everybody. Welcome to Down Ballot. Welcome, podcast listeners. Uh, this is also a live show. We do this live every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Pacific right here on Twitch, twitch.tv slash media. I'm your host, Producer Dave, and you can find me damn near anywhere. And this is The Councilman. You can find me at T-H-E underscore Councilman. I hope I'm coming through well this week, Producer Dave. <sighs> Sound fantastic. That's fabulous. How's the uh, camera looking? I try, I'm trying the new webcam out tonight. Yeah, the color is better. The color is better. Fabulous. How's it going? So you can see me in my real whiteness, everyone. So <laughs> you're a little ye- you, you were a little yellow last week. Yeah, it's it is the the desk light and then the light in the room are a little yellow, but um, I think this is a little more uh, natural to who I am. So you can see me in in all my starkness. Um, that's why I grow the beard so I can look a little bit more distinguished and not so white, but <laughs> not um, so not so yellow. Not so yellow. Anyway, good to see you as always, producer Dave. Um, thanks, uh, viewer, for tuning in on the Twitch and to everyone in the chat. Uh, welcome. It's going to be saucy tonight. We have a bunch of, uh, I think, very spicy uh, clips for you. Thank you, producer Dave, for pulling together many, many of the clips uh, for this week's show. I think we're going to have a fun time. Um, and we've even got some recall action going on. So that'll be fun. Again. Again. It's like weekly and uh, mixed with a DUI. Cheers. <laughs> Um, so please uh, head over to equiplexmedia.com to find out more about all of us and all the fabulous shows and definitely tune in later. Stick around after Down Ballot for local love, uh, local music, and all sorts of shenanigans. Producer Dave, anything special on the agenda for this evening? No, nah, just that we made one of them recurring weekly Facebook events that we're going to push the video to to try to cool. draw in the local music crowd. We've tried everything. <laughs> Facebook live and All right. Well, I'll definitely... Uh, uh, that's that's an easy way for me to tune in. I can just open my phone, right, and tune in. Well, you can do that on Twitch too. But. That's true. That's true. For some reason, like Twitch keeps like making me log in, and then when it when I try to use my old password, it's like, no, this is not the password anymore. You have to change your password. And then I try to put in all these passwords, different you know variations on the variations of passwords that I have, right? Trying all sorts of different combinations, and it's like, no, that's not strong enough. That's not strong enough. We suggest this, and it's like you know the big gobbledygook extreme and i'm like okay i guess i could save that somewhere like in my whatever <clears throat> to, to remember it but it just doesn't seem right so i just long story short i don't go on my twitch app as much as i should on my phone you, but for some reason on the desktop it works fine i can log in and it's no problem you seem like the kind of guy who would use a password manager i did at one point i just um it was through work and then i lost that job and i never really like picked it up again right <laughs> um so i just have a really good memory i'm one of those guys that remembered like you're you're old enough um producer dave uh, to remember like i used to remember everyone's number back in the day like to te- to 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 page people even right i had, had to, you had to remember their 10 digit pager number right so i i remembered everyone's number i had a, i had a rolodex in my head and now it's like i could probably tell you my mom's number maybe <laughs> i hope my wife's number um that's probably it i don't i definitely don't know your number off the top of my head that's for sure i just go producer dave call so <clears throat> we have like a like a corporate account for LastPass. So get yourself LastPass and we'll let me know oh, what cool. let me know what email address you used for it or whatever and I'll attach I'm it gonna, to our account I'm so gonna, that it unlocks all the features. I'm gonna make a note. I've got a notepad now for for during the show so I can make notes during the clips about things I want to talk about so I'm not so scatterbrained. So I'm gonna make a note. LastPass? Yeah. I'm gonna do that. Okay, last <clears throat> we also have a we also have a shared directory with some kind of shared assets that I don't care if other people log into. I've used one login before. That was, I think, the one I had for the. I mean, they all the do the same around. thing. Anyway, um, so please uh, keep watching on Twitch. Keep keep uh, giving us those subs and, and a little a little more show bucks because we we definitely need it. Producer Dave needs to eat, 
and uh, <laughs> head over to Patreon as well. You can become a, a monthly subscriber like me. Um, actually, I need to up my subscription now that I can afford a little more. Um, uh, so please head over there and give us at least 10 bucks a month. That would be great. That's like a freaking fancy pumpkin latte a month. I think you can spare it for this, for this programming, for the amount of programming, how you stream seven nights a week, right? Producer Dave? For, well, for the most we part. do. Yeah. The media winch does Monday night. So, right. So this network streams seven nights a week. That's a, a lot of content and most of it is actually pretty fabulous and funny as shit. So uh, yeah, yeah. I think, I think a couple of show bucks is worth it. And the that's value. all I got for this. So what do we got for leading <laughs> off? Uh, poop. Well, let's, let's go. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> known as BA2 has been detected in the Bay Area. Health experts say the variant is highly transmissible, but has not caused a surge in hospitalizations. KPI X5's Len Ramirez has more from San Jose. Well, this new version of the virus shows up at a time when people are just really ready to move on from the pandemic, but this shows that it's not over. Routine testing of the wastewater in Santa Clara County shows overall cases of COVID-19 continue to drop, but they also show the new Omicron variant, BA2, is here, most notably in the Palo Alto and Gilroy areas. We see that ah. BA.2 is likely um, replacing BA.1, the original Omicron that was was infecting the population here. This news comes at a time when two-year-old protections such as mask mandates are being lifted and people are gathering again, often indoors. Feels back to That's a concern for health officials because BA2 is even more transmissible than previous variants. It is at least 30% more transmissible, if not more, up to 50%. It means that whatever strategies you've worked or used before to help escape being infected may not work with BA2. But Dr. Peter Chin Hong says the data shows that so far, BA2 is not causing people to get sicker and need hospitalizations. And he says vaccines are proving to be effective against it. Regardless of when you got your vaccines, if you've gotten two or more, depending on your age group, you'd be protected against serious disease, hospitalization and death. Presence of the variant in wastewater is usually two weeks ahead of when clinical cases would show up. So the full impact of the variant is yet to come as the pandemic enters its third year. It's definitely not over. We would probably see cases go up and down over time until um, you know it becomes more in the background. But we're not there yet. In San Jose, Len Ramirez, KPIX5. We'll see. Yes. BA2 has come to Willow Glen. That's uh, funny. They they could have gone to Gilroy, but that would have been inconvenient. <laughs> right. Especially since they pointed out that Pali and Gilroy were, um, you know, the hotspots for BA2. Um, but that's the northernmost and southernmost part of the county, right? So, um, and from San Jose is NBC Bay Area headquarters. I'm sure equidistant and equi fucked. So let's just go to Willow Glen and get some shots of people on the street. It looks like Palo Alto, right? They didn't say where they were. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was totally, I could tell. I knew it was Willow Glen because it said Glen in the background. Right. Oh, yeah. The, the, uh, that was the, uh, the table, right? Uh, it's like how in San Francisco, no matter what they're talking about, they're always in the Castro. Mm, right. <laughs> they're always like, they're like, let's just go to the nicest fucking neighborhood and tell everybody the news so that we can go have a nice lunch after. Yeah, well, that and they can feel safe, you know, being on the street reporting, right? Like they, <laughs> they, uh, they don't have to feel in in danger being on the sidewalk and doing their little stand up reporting job. Like and on the mean streets of Gilroy, 
Yeah, well, and they, I mean, it's far, that's a distance thing. That's absolutely a distance thing. But um, as far as like also getting the person on the street, right, the exuberant person on the street, I think the Castros are a pretty good spot for that, getting a, a talkative person, I would imagine. Uh, there's some catty people out there I've, I've met in the Castro, <laughs> more so than any other area of San Francisco. So, um, but yeah, Willow Glen also the same way. Very saucy, very saucy area. Um, but moral of the story, real quick before we move on to winners and losers, vaccines work. Uh, Dr. Peter Chen uh, pointed that out. Vaccines work. Keep getting vaxxed. It's worth it. You will either get not get COVID or you'll get it so mildly that you won't even notice that you had it. Um, so there you go. That's my moral of the story for tonight. And please, if you're not going to wear a mask anywhere else, just put the fucking thing on at the grocery store for fuck's sake. I did that today. I did that today. And I... I can't say that more than 50% of people were masked up, but masked up, but a lot of people were still masked up. I was impressed, but not anywhere near majority. I'm not asking you to mask up at the club or whatever, but if you're going to be around somebody else's fucking tomatoes, just put the fucking mask on. Yeah. If you're touching my produce, right? Like I saw you, I saw you feeling that tomato. That one looks good to me. It may not be what you're looking for, but that's what <laughs> I'm looking for, right? That, that, that heirloom tomato with just the right amount of firmness, right? So you know, it's going to last a day before you make it right before you cook it in something you can keep it on the counter and it'll be perfect right when you're going to cook it that's what i'm looking for maybe you're not you're looking for that squishy like i'm going to cook this tonight and you touch it and you're like "Ooh, i don't want that hard one now your germy covidness is all over it but as long as i as long as you're vaccinated and i'm vaccinated and we're both masked and i pick that up i feel confident i can put that in my basket and go home and be safe but, so get your vaccinations wear your masks um, it's endemic time, baby. Let's learn to live with it. So All it right. turns out Hawaii is a dangerous place. And I have some thoughts on this story, by the way. <laughs> I, th I thought you would. Um, this is something that the, the, the good wife and I watch a lot of Hawaii Five O, the reboot. Um, and uh, this is something we say all the time because it's just amazing. They, they had 10 seasons of this show. So that must have been like 260 some odd episodes of just crazy criminal shit happening in Hawaii that necessitated like automatic weapons and explosions. Um, so we'd always say Hawaii is a very dangerous place. Who knew? <laughs> anyway, uh, it's true. Ronald Wu and Mohammed Dowdy's recent vacation in Hawaii was something they'll remember forever and not just because of the scuba diving. On one of their nights out, they met 23-year-old Juan Tejedor Baron. He's the one on the right in this photo. They liked him immediately. Since I'm in Hawaii and I want to make friends, and he seems very nice, actually. We, we just danced with him, we drank. They became fast friends, going to brunch and hanging out at the beach. On the third day, Tejedor Baron invited them over to what he told them was his house in an exclusive Honolulu neighborhood. We didn't notice anything except that there's like a bar on the bedrooms, like you can just enter easily. And I was observing everything. We went to the balcony of the house. Less than a week after they left, that house became a crime scene. Honolulu police discovered the body of 73-year-old Gary Ruby, the homeowner, in a bathtub covered with concrete. Their new friend, Juan Tejador Baron, was wanted for murder. Ronald and Mohammed were already back in the Bay Area, but another friend who had joined them in Hawaii decided to stay an extra week with Tejador Baron. Police initially believed he was involved in the crime. He's on security camera video walking around Honolulu with Juan Tejador Baron. Ronald and Mohammed say they're sure he had nothing to do with the murder. He's a very uh, close friend of mine, and I even invited him to Hawaii and paid for the trip 
Meanwhile, Tejador Baron fled Hawaii and was arrested in Anaheim, hiding under a seat on a Greyhound bus bound for Mexico. Juan Tejedor Baron is still in custody in Los Angeles. He's awaiting a hearing before getting sent to Honolulu to face murder charges. Ronald and Mohammed say they still cannot believe that they spent so much time with a man who is now accused of a gruesome crime. I believe he's a psycho killer because who would stay in that place for some, I mean, more than weeks with a dead body there? And I'll casually invite people over and casually hang out with everyone as if yeah. nothing happened. In San Francisco, Sergio Quintana, NBC, Bay Area News. So, yes, thoughts. You have them. We met a guy. We thought he was hot. Probably had a threesome with him. Then we left our friend to continue with the with the with the escapade there. All this is fine, but the fucking news kind of buried the lead. News <laughs> kind of buried like the fun part of the story. Like it makes the story. It makes the guy like makes the guy a better serial killer if he's like the charming type who like basically wooed three tourists while they were visiting you know what i'm saying it, it, it it's it's a that's a better story yeah it's 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 me it's very interesting right like okay so he's obviously a psycho psycho killer and he's got this old man in what the freezer right at this house um or on you know just on, the bathtub under under like the concrete, under or some concrete shit. right and yet like he has these hotties over to the house and has a little or you know party time orgy time you know good times and doesn't kill those guys like that they're just there for fun like that's a pretty interesting serial killer maybe he just has a fetish for like the old white dudes um, i mean and this is just for fun but it's, it's just that's wow that's sketch i mean i don't uh, i don't want to speculate too much but if if i were to speculate too much i'd guess that the older guy is maybe a former partner of his probably sugar daddy maybe like yeah, some some sort of situation like, like that. that did they explain I, I don't know if i forget did they explain whose house it was did they say it was, it was the was murder victim oh, okay yeah so that makes sense maybe he was like sugar daddy and you know young hottie was hanging out and 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 living at the house and either young hottie got tired of old daddy or old daddy got tired of young hottie and things were you know on the outs and outs and young hottie has a little hot temper and maybe killed old daddy and 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 concreted him into the <laughs> into the tub um very interesting uh we have a, a tub actually at our house that would work really well for this but anyway that's long <laughs> we'll talk about that some other time producer dave next time you want to have a threesome um but uh yeah so that's very interesting but i i would be thanking my lucky stars if i were these guys from the bay who got out of there um in one piece and just had a, a nice threesome out of it on on, like on on the on the on the other hand if there was three of them maybe dude Maybe dude had thought about it or something, but he was like, you know what? There's three of these guys and I'm not going to be able to pull this off. Yeah. I mean, I, I had to imagine if you're ready to kill like your sugar daddy and, and, you know, and, and cement him into the tub, um, you're probably conniving enough to think about that plan. Like think a couple steps ahead, right? Play some chess and be like, Hmm. So I, I imagine he probably just wanted to have some fun with these dudes and that was yeah. it. And he, he wasn't interested in, in whacking them. And I think um, even if he wanted to, there just the fact that there was three of them would have made it like very difficult. Yeah, and that also also leads me to believe he's not a serial killer, right? He's not a he doesn't have a pattern. He's not a he's not a compulsive murderer. He I, I imagine he just had a beef with this one dude for whatever reason and right, killed and, them and put their nice house in Hawaii. I mean, what the hell? I mean, 
murders have been committed for a lot less than that. Right. And I mean, that's just a guess too. There could be any number of other things going on. He could have been, you know, you know, if the guy, if it was a wealthy neighborhood, the guy could have had staff and this guy, this this young guy could have just been one of the staff. Correct. Or a a runner or like an errand, errand boy, quote unquote, personal assistant, personal assistant. There you go. Um, uh, so get my malasadas and my laundry. Um, God, that would be fucking awesome. Have a hot young stud to like go get me some malasadas at Leonard's. You're I'm like, I'm not even into men, but just the optics, just the optics just, of it. I'm just chilling on the North Shore on the beach. Like, go take an hour and a half and go get me some malasadas from Leonard's and bring them back and we can split them. <laughs> uh, that's all I ask. That's a, that's a really good life. I mean, the good wife would be down with that, I think. So, well, anyway. Uh, moving on. So Hawaii is a dangerous place, Producer Dave, but Campbell's fucking dangerous too. Well, this evening, South Bay firefighters are keeping a close eye on the scene of yesterday's big office building fire in Campbell. KBXY's Max Darrell reports on what they'll likely be out there doing for the next few days. More than a day after this fire ignited, there are fire crews still on scene. The building's still smoldering, and hot spots have popped up all throughout the day. The guy's name for podcast listeners is Max Darrow, and he looks exactly like what you think Max Darrow looks like. <laughs> With help from a construction crew and some from the clouds, Santa Clara County firefighters are in the final stages of putting out a fire that engulfed a vacant 72,000-square-foot office building in Campbell on Friday morning. They're pulling down the uh, unsecured walls of the building so we can get in there and try to get further into that building with our hose lines to uh, <laughs> can you pause for a second? complete extinguishment of this fire. Everyone out there, uh, the, the firefighter's name is Jason Falarski, and he actually looks exactly like what you would think a Jason <laughs> Falarski would look like. <laughs> Sorry. Those who live around here were fascinated by the situation. I was working at that one building over there this morning, and when I rolled through at 6 o'clock, it was still smoldering, little pieces were on fire. That's unbelievable, the amount of damage and destruction that's done. Many people took pictures and videos. Strangers shared their bewilderment, and some couldn't do anything <laughs> but stare. Oh my, just uh, horrible damage. I mean, it's just so uh, surprising. That All these San Jose residents. That's great. Something that's in Campbell. Hey, we've worked with fish and game for the water runoff into the creeks, and so far everything's been uh, okay. Naturally, everyone is curious as to what started this fire. Some people have their theories. In chance. If it was empty. Falarski says it's still too early to know exactly what caused the fire. However, they do know the fire grew rapidly and it may have started in the back of the building. We're going to bring in the arson task force so we can try to see if there's any accelerants, anything else used. Falarski says they contained the fire overnight. But there's still a lot of work left to do. Just do the magnitude of the size of the structure. It's going to take a while. The deputy fire chief says fire crews will likely be here for the next couple of days until this fire is fully extinguished. In Campbell, Max Darrow, KPIX 5. More than 100 firefighters from various agencies responded to that fire. Nobody got hurt. Well, that's good. Um, how many hours do you think Max Darrow works on that hairstyle before he goes on? He must have people. He has honestly they don't really have people anymore like i bet you the, the, these guys they they have to go out and do their own camera like they set up a camera and do the recording straight to it so he might have to do it himself i don't know but he might have he might pay extra for people maybe he pays out of pocket his hair did look pretty pretty great it looks fabulous i mean it's just this coiffure. anyway uh <laughs> so are, are you concerned about arson or 
the homeless maybe burning th- shit down in Campbell? Media Wench brought up a place in Fremont called Connolly's. There was this the furniture place in Fremont that just about every five years would burn down. And everybody mm. was pretty sure that it was for insurance because mm. like they'd build up a bunch of like old stock or whatever over the course of five years. Maybe they couldn't sell. And then all of a sudden it would burn down and they'd sell all what? their damaged stock at like a loss, but write it off. And now they had the, all this great new furniture that were that they weren't, you know, they weren't sitting on a bunch of old stock anymore because their fucking shit kept burning down. And so we feel like this, uh, this might've been a Connolly's job because it was an empty, like vacant office building. We don't know though. We don't know. I mean, there could be any number of reasons um, that that it caught on fire. I mean, the the burning it down for insurance money is the obvious reason. And really, what's that called, Occam's razor, or uh, you know, the, the simplest solution is usually the, the correct one. Um, oh, people get that wrong. It's not always the simplest. It's the solution which requires the fewest number of assumptions. Ah, oh, there you go. I like that. I like that better actually. What you said. I'm not going to try and repeat it because, you know, I'm already drunk and a little stoned. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so long story short, moral of the story, watch out, especially on Dell Avenue. If you're out there walking around vacant properties, um, you might get burned down um, before they have a chance to redevelop the entire area, which is really what's in the general plan now. So be ready for the Dell Avenue specific plan. People of Campbell get tuned into your city council. All right. Well, um, it's Campbell established dangerous place, um, especially because producer Dave is adjacent somewhere in in the uh, zone, in the zone, right in the zone. Um, and uh, I didn't like how, I did like how all those San Jose residents were commenting on that story. This must have been like you know people on their walk or something. No, it's not I, too I, far from San Jose. I, I, I know, I know, I know the area. It's like all um, it it's all offices, intermixed kind of. It, it's all offices. Business. So oh right, okay, so, I get it. Like, yeah the majority of people would probably be from San Jose that are working at those jobs just because San Jose's got a much bigger population than Campbell, you know? Good point. And they're not going to be listed as like so-and-so employee, right? Like Kaiser right. employee or something. Okay. Yes, there's a Kaiser over there I go to. All right. Uh, well, so Campbell, dangerous place. Hawaii, very, very dangerous. Um, San Jose, maybe not so dangerous anymore. I don't know. Let's Let's find out. As of tonight, San Jose has recorded just three homicides this year and not a Ooh. single one involved a gun. That's a dramatic drop in killings for the Bay Area's largest city. And police say it didn't happen by accident. As NBC Bay Area's Damian Trujillo explains, San Jose police believe their efforts to get guns off the streets are paying off. Two of the three deadly stabbings this year involved domestic disputes. Police say their officers are out there every day getting illegal guns off the streets. And it's paying off. The pictures posted on social media this year by San Jose police may look like a seller's table at a gun show. Dozens upon dozens of guns, many of them illegal, taken off the streets by cops. We have officers going out there every day, approximately 200 officers across three shifts. If people pay attention to our social media, they'll see the vast amounts of firearms that are being taken off our city streets. Police believe that's one of the biggest reasons San Jose has not had a gun-related homicide this year, and the total of only three homicides, all stabbings so far this year. Many of the seized weapons are what are called ghost guns, homemade guns with no serial numbers, making them nearly impossible to track. How do you prevent 
violent gun crime by being proactive, by going out there and removing these guns off our streets before they're able to be used in a crime, uh, in a shooting, in a robbery. The news is what the president of the Plata Arroyo Neighborhood Association has been begging for in a neighborhood where gunfire is not real. I'm glad the gun violence is not happening and hopefully it's part of it is because our police are a little bit more aware and and delivering the impact that we need them to, finding these weapons and getting them off the street. Danny Garza spent half his life challenging police tactics. Now he applauds these latest results, saying crime fighting like this has to involve partnerships with the community. It's more important than people really think. It's not just an officer showing up at your neighborhood meeting and, and having a slice of pizza. It's actually getting to know your, your families. Police realize the busy summer months are still ahead, but they vow to keep up their proactive enforcement, aggressively going after guns. In San Jose, Damian Trujillo, NBC Bay Area News. <clears throat> so I like this on just for one thing. When people on <clears throat> the internet are like, all these dangerous, crime-ridden Democrat cities, I'm like, hey, um, San Jose is run by Democrats, and there have been three fucking murders all yep. year and it's like right. not like it's not like 10 people live here you know two of them tied to domestic violence which is it is actually the real tragedy here we need to do something more about that but that's a whole separate down ballot um yeah no i i, I tend to agree with you there and people forget san jose is is still the, t the 10th largest city in the country we have a lot of people here and anytime you put a lot of people into any sort of circumstance like a dense circumstance like ourselves we're maybe because we're not so dense, it, it, it's, it helps because we're not so packed together and we are kind of segregated in a way. Maybe that helps to be honest with you. Um, but, uh, yeah, we tend to be a safer city, a safer community. Anyway, we, we do have that pastoral agricultural background. We look out for each other, that small town kind of background, right? Um, no matter what, you know, where you're coming from. Um, so in general, I don't think we need as many police and, and as much, heavy-handed policing to to really keep the the peace here um so it's good this is good to hear i don't know that it means anything i mean we need you need a lot more data than you know a few months to really make a determination but it's good to see it's a good trend um i think there are less you know you're going to have less murders when people are just getting out less to be honest with you and that's what we've been doing so we'll see we'll see what happens i just um, wonder like i just wonder like up in Shasta, like there have to have been more than three fucking murders, like already b by this time, you know. And it's one like there's think. a lot more fucking people here. Yeah, one would think, one would think. Um, but just if if you're interested in seeing some of the results of um, you know, what the PD is doing, yeah, do check out their social media, their their Twitter and their I think they're they have Insta, but their Twitter is definitely filled with pictures of all the confiscated shit that they they come across, whether it's guns or it's cannabis, um, you know, uh, lots and lots and lots of cannabis sometimes, um, or other drugs, um, and 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 you know, fentanyl and and prescription drugs that they take off the street. So if you're into that kind of shit, if that's kind of like your porn. There's definitely pictures for you on the SJPD Twitter account. And then um, give it up to Danny Garza, man. That guy is a legend when it comes to community activism. So much so that I was, I, this clip reminded me, I was making dinner when this clip came on originally. Uh, and I was in the other room. This clip was on in the other room. I couldn't see it. I heard Danny Garza's voice and I said to the good wife, that's Danny Garza, right? Yep, that's him because he's just that recognizable. So props to you, Danny Garza, for, for being so persistent and, and uh, 
and persevering <laughs> and to all the activists out there for persevering. You know, they, good they, things do happen. They put out that list every year of like the 10 safest cities in, in the United States and San Jose is always on the list. Mm-hmm. Well, we used to be number one. That's the thing. We used to be like number one on the FBI's 10 or uh, safest big cities list. Right. And that was always our thing. It was like, we're number one, we're the safest big city in America. And then we lost that. We went down to like number three, but the, the, <laughs> right? you know, the cities in front of it were literally a city that borders San Jose, Sunnyvale. Right. And then Fremont. Right. You know, it was, it, it was just sad to, to, to say, oh, oh, we're third. We're the third safest big city in America because of some random metric anyway, right? The number, well, a certain number of crimes, basically. What was going on that Sunnyvale was more dangerous than San Jose? That's what I want to know. It's, it's just numbers. It's, yeah. it's just based number. It's, it's, it's uh, crimes per met, per and, head. And it, it may per have been that, that before maybe Sunnyvale, their population wasn't enough and they like got, they like hit a certain amount of yeah. people and they got ended up on the list because their population increased. Yeah. They're in the hundred, you know, hundred there's, they're the second largest city in Santa Clara County. Fremont is the largest city or one of the largest cities in, sorry, Alameda County, not as big as some others, but, um, uh, yeah. For, uh, San, uh, Sunnyvale is the second largest behind San Jose in Santa Clara County now over well over a hundred thousand people. So much so that they've I, districted their elections. I live in the densest. Hmm. Yeah, and so much so that Campbell has districted its elections too. Like yeah. honestly, producer Dave, if you if you want to run, I'm ready. Absolutely so two, not. Two thousand votes. That's all we need, and we can get you on the city council. Absolutely not. No. All right. Well. Well. One day we can dream. Maybe we. Maybe you and me. We find someone and we run them. We oh. run their campaign. Oh my! My upstairs neighbor. She's perfect. Oh, she's, oh, oh can she's we do perfect. it? Perfect. Can we do it? I love she, projects. She would, she, she, if I went up there and told her she needs to run for city council, she'd be oh, like, one of us it. now has to move. Right. <laughs> she's like, she's like, listen, I know what you do, but now one of us has to move. Just tell her all the great things she can like have an influence on like housing and land use and, and, uh, uh, special use permits for alcohol and, and, and staying open late and, you know, parties and all sorts of shit. There's, there's amazing shit to be done in the city council, especially in a small city like Campbell where there's only five council members. That only means, that means you only have to get two other people to agree with you on something to get something done. Right. And in that kind of scenario, you could promise them to do something for them, do them a solid on some innocuous shit that you don't really care about as long as you get their vote on something else. And if you can get two more votes on any given Tuesday or Wednesday, you can do whatever you want. It's so beautiful. The city's kind of a dick. Um, a guy I know he's since moved to Italy, uh, but it's not my friend who owns restaurants. He was, um, a part owner of a restaurant. And he went to the city council and he's like, Hey, we have this, you know, office space above, but it's like an open, like an open, you know, floor plan office. And we were thinking of doing entertainment up there. You mm -hmm. know, what do we have to do to do that? And the city, like a bunch of assholes gave him a list of stuff to do. He started doing the stuff. Then when he got most of the way done with the stuff, he went to the city for the permit for the amplified sound and the fucking shit. They told him no. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> this city is a dick. so perfect. Like, no, it's, that's, and that's not just Campbell. That's that city's. <laughs> what a dick move though. Like a bunch of us, like a bunch of people that go out, went to the city council meeting to be like, Hey, this is a person we know who would do a good job at this. If you would have just said no to begin with, that would have been cool. But you just wasted all this guy's money. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. And but that happens way too often. And that's the kind of shit. Like when they talk about streamlining shit, right, and 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 making shit easier, it's not about 
necessarily, you know, just, oh, turning a blind eye to bullshit, right? And to, to, to mal- true malfeasance. It's really about helping businesses thrive like small business owners and small and 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 the the little guy gal whatever thrive the little person <laughs> the the mom and pop the people who are in our community and are trying to just make make it make a make something cool for our community and also make a living off of it like who, who could blame them like the dan vados of the world right like how can you how could you make dan, dan vado jump through all sorts of fucking crazy hoops when the guy is like doing everything he can just to provide a space for us and for everyone to come together and enjoy art and music, right? So if you're running for public office and if you're out there and you're, you want to get into public office locally, don't use it as some sort of like springboard to get to some other office. Like think about some shit that you can do to help people because you have so much opportunity to help people right now, like immediately. Um, Cause it's, it, everything you do is so local. So think about that and act, oh, act I mean, locally. The dude was going to do like nightclubs on nightclub night on Saturday, but the rest of the night was going to be like jazz bands. He was going to cut off alcohol at 1130 and close the place at 1230. Like, like he was just like going to, he, he was just, everything he was going to do was like totally on the up and up, not having people out too late. And they were just like, nope. The inside of the place, it was starting to look beautiful too. It's been happening in San Jose too. It's like, I, uh, it, I, I hear it crop up all the time where city policies, you know, and deadlines come up. And so notices go out, like you have to close your outdoor patio. Right. And because of the you know, pandemic, we've been letting people open their shit on sidewalks and on the street. Right. Um, but you have to close that shit now. I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's the time, um, the time that's been preordained. Right. Um, but it's that sort of, you know, bureaucratic bullshit. And once, you know, you get pe- actual people into the room, like the elected representatives and the, and the business owners into a room together, they can actually work all this shit out. Um, it's just, it, it's the bureaucracy of government that needs to like take a chill pill and like learn to learn to relax and try to just take a nice comfortable shit sometimes instead of trying to squeeze out every last drop. So one more funny one, uh, a dude I know runs like a arcade sort of restaurant on the mm-hmm. Ave. And I think I can think of the one you're thinking of. Yeah. Well, he's part owner of it. He, they also have one in downtown San Jose. Right. Um, and I swear to you, the city told him that if he wanted to have a DJ in there, the DJ had to bring their own speakers because if, if he provided like even just two like, you know, JBL pro speakers, he had to apply for all these fucking permits, but that he could do the exact same thing. If the DJ brought the speakers without having to get these permits, and so he's like, I'm just not having DJs in here because I feel like this is a trap. <laughs> he's like, what if the DJ just, what if the DJ is playing Friday and Saturday and then leaves his speakers here and then I get fucking fried for that? <laughs> yeah, you got to be careful. You got to be careful with the letter of, and the intent of the law. That's all I can say. That's all I can say. Which well, is really dumb because like he ha- since there's no DJs in there, he has pro grade speakers inside of there they're just not hooked up to anybody's turntables so it's not like it's like what the fuck yeah i that's uh it's it's aggravating it's 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 rules on top of rules that need to be you know weeded out right like there's just like systemic bullshit that needs to be weeded out in in a in policy making and unfortunately we're kind of like behind the eight ball or we're behind the curve in that these things come up and we're sort of reacting 
case to case, right? We're not actually solving the root underlying problem. And it's not because we don't want to, it's more because we just don't have the time because we're responding constantly to, in public service, right? You're, they're responding constantly to these issues um, that, that come up, right? On a case by case basis. So um, something has to be done to like stop the presses and, and be, be able to really make systemic change. We'll see. But uh, San Jose, not not so not so safe. Um, uh, maybe from time to time, but but mostly safe, mostly safe. And our next story is about how San Francisco is safe unless you're black and the police see you. Yes, I mean that's everywhere. But San Francisco, apparently, there's a report about it now, so there's actual factual evidence. It's 532 right now and new this morning, San Francisco police under the microscope with newly released data on stops and searches. The data shows dif different frequency rates depending on your race. Today in the Bay, Sierra Johnson joins us live in San Francisco and Sierra, the chief of police is getting ready to talk about some of these new findings. Good morning, Lori. Yeah, that's exactly right. The police of uh, the chief of police, rather, excuse me, will present this data nearly 20 pages worth of a presentation to the Board of Supervisors that happens later today. And in that presentation, uh, he discusses everything from the stops and searches to uh, reform efforts. So one of the focuses in this report uh, was just involved the stop and searches conducted by SFPD. Now, if you're taking a look at your screen, this graph breaks down the interactions by race. And based on this data, black people were both stopped and searched more often than their white and Hispanic counterparts. This graph breaks down the search by race per 1,000 uh, individuals. And you can see year over year, blacks were 10 times as likely to be searched than white people and four times as likely to be searched than Hispanics. So what other data is in this report? Well, the report highlights that use of forced instances has dropped nearly 60% over the last six years from around 950 instances in the first quarter of 2016 to around 390 in the last quarter of 2021. And police stops of black people have fallen over the last three years. The report also highlights where the department stands in terms of their anti-bias goals. The Department of Justice presented the agency with reform recommendations. This report provides an update that 90% of those goals have been met. And the SF Chronicle spoke with SFPD Chief Bill Scott ahead of today's presentation. He commented that the agency's goal was to determine next steps, telling the Chronicle, quote, so the question is, where do we go from here? And that's really where a lot of the work lies ahead. So that's that Board of Supervisors meeting is slated to begin at 2. I took a look at that agenda this morning, and this item doesn't actually hit on the agenda until around 3 p.m. So the uh, presentation is slated for 3. That meeting, though, begins at 2. So we will, of course, continue to follow what comes out of that supervisor's meeting and their response to this presentation. We're live in San Francisco. Sierra Johnson for Today in the Bay. Poor Sierra Johnson, by the way, um, having to stand up for all black people in that <laughs> in that clip and represent the entire African American community. Um, so thank you, Sarah, for for your your work. Um, and by the way, the graph that they had was really hard to understand. I really right. ha I hate that when they fucking have uh, graphs that like black versus white, black versus Hispanic, Hispanic versus white. Okay, like wait, I, I'm really I don't understand what this graph is telling me. And then finally, by the end of what she was saying, it, she told me that it was the the whatever the ratio, right, of uh, of stops black versus white, uh, Hispanic versus black, that kind of thing. So, so 
One of the things that's going on here, then the backdrop of this is the uh, recall of Chesa Boudin, where Chesa Boudin seems to be trying to do something about these disparities at the prosecution level. Hmm. Yes. Because but he's being recalled. Burr tried to attempt, you know, there's an attempt to recall him. Uh, because some folks don't like that. Right? They, they like things the way that they are. So I did, I did like that in the last few years, the use of force has gone down dramatically. That's probably good overall. Yeah, I would, I would say so. Um, so there's, there's interesting numbers. They're just like, there's interesting numbers in San Jose, but again, I don't know how much of it's tied to the pandemic and sort of the way that our, our culture has sort of, um, evolved, um, to the point where we're not really like interacting as much, um, at least not as often perhaps, and you're not throwing a lot of people, you know, diverse, uh, diverse people together in the same space for prolonged periods of time. I think that causes a lot of disruption and, and crimes, if you will. <laughs> um, but anyway, I don't know how much that, that, that is the cause, but yeah, in general, it seems like we're, we're doing okay in some, some areas. I felt people have, I think had a little bit more, maybe a touch more empathy. They're still idiots. They're still idiots. Like there's assholes and idiots no matter what. And they're always going to be assholes and idiots. But I think that there has been a touch more empathy in general. I'll give, I'll give people that much. Maybe that's too much to give them. All right. So apparently bars <clears throat> are giving out test strips so that people can put it in their drink and make sure nobody's putting fentanyl in their drink. That's a bad sign. Yeah, I mean, it would be a really good idea to, to be doing this, I guess, but it's a really bad sign that you have to do this. So let's find out more. So in the past few weeks, after taking cocaine, they didn't realize had been laced with fentanyl. And the health department reports nearly 500 deadly fentanyl overdoses last year. Now, one Bay Area nonprofit is looking for ways to make it easy for recreational drug users to test and see if they're about to ingest something potentially deadly. KPIX 5's Andrea Borba has details. Bay Area nonprofit FentCheck spends about a dollar a piece on these fentanyl test strips and distributes them at bars, art galleries, and tattoo parlors in the hopes of slowing the overdose crisis even a little. Just like the jars of condoms that emerged in bathrooms during the AIDS crisis, inside Temescal Brewing's bathrooms are jars of fentanyl test strips. We see fentanyl in you know, of course, heroin, but it's not a heroin problem anymore. It's cocaine, it's ketamine, it's molly, um, it's Xanax. Pressed pills are very easy to manufacture. And um, unless you're getting it from a pharmacy, you really should test every single time. Co-founder of nonprofit FenCheck, Allison Heller, learned about fentanyl test strips while working in harm reduction in the Tenderloin. People are still gonna do drugs. The reality is that 100% of people who die don't make it to rehab. We just wanna make sure that people survive the night. She wanted to make sure that testing was available in places that people might be using or thinking about using. What really moved us to do this was uh, a member of our staff had a close, uh, a close associate who did lose their life to an overdose. And um, that was really, you know, one of a thousand stories, but something that did really um, spur some action amongst us. The strips take just five minutes, 15 seconds to give a result, whether or not a drug like cocaine or molly has traces of fentanyl. Her co-founder, Dean Schold, chief technology officer of the Alameda Health System, demonstrates how it works. We're going to pretend that this might be a little baggie of cocaine. Oh, I, was, I was hoping this dude was just going to bust out a fucking eight ball and be like, here's an eight ball I just bought on the street. Let's see what's going on. <laughs> 
<laughs> I think he's kind of doing it. Let's, let's see. A very small amount into the solution. Yeah, you don't want to waste a lot of that cocaine. Jesus Christ. You dip the strip into the solution and wait. If that line is there, it's two lines, two thumbs up. There is no fentanyl in that solution. Fentanyl. Oh, you just waste all that cocaine. Area every other day to see if they need more strips. Checks coming by and restocking typically twice a week at this point because we uh, see a lot of people picking up uh, picking up our test strip. Fentcheck is also providing bars with Narhan and training staff how to use it just in case. In Oakland, Andrea Borba, KPIX five. I mean, this is good. <clears throat> oh, it, absolutely! It's a, it's totally fine. I just, man, don't waste a lot of your cocaine testing it. That's try and get like a tiny little bit. Don't don't blow a whole like wad. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's just generally fucked up that people would lace shit with fentanyl in the first place. It's fucked up that people would lace drugs with anything, but that's just the way it is. And they're not thinking about the end user, the human, you know, element. They're just thinking about making money and keeping the, you know, having a job and having something to do. Right? That this is their job. They just they they lace shit. <laughs> um, so it's 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 not being done. I don't think. Um, necessarily by serial killers but it is certainly a callous and and very reckless um so yeah test your shit that's that's always good or maybe don't do the shit that's another maybe. that's another option maybe don't do the shit and, and stick to stick to weed um and and plants things so, you can like look at and be like oh i see that there's some shit wrong with this plant <clears throat> so back in the day uh, during the rave scene there was like a, a case in san francisco where I don't know if it went to court or whatever, but the police were trying to say that the existence of the dance safe organization at the party was a reason to arrest the promoter for conspiracy to distribute drugs. Nice. Because dance safe was there making sure that people's pills weren't going to kill them. Sure. And um, that, so that, that ended up leading to a um, city commission in San Francisco about nightlife. And it was part, you know, encouraging nightlife, but part like harm reduction for drugs. And so it turns out that the police doing something stupid actually led to something good in San Francisco. Imagine but that. I just wonder if having these kinds of test strips at places is going to be ammo for like regulators to try to shut down uh, venues where, you know, people use recreational drugs. One would hope not. Right. Um, and please don't come after Molly. She's a good girl. She she didn't do anything wrong. So don't come after Molly. That would that sucks that people are putting that shit. Like I don't know. I don't know. I know why they're doing it. They're doing it to fucking make more money. But I absolutely. But it's like God. Like I I like the, the thought of giving someone a drug that they were not they didn't know they were getting in general is just so despicable, right? The thought of giving someone with something they were not anticipating, whether they it's like giving them a drug they don't intend to do any drugs at all, or giving them, you know, one drug and saying it's one thing and it's really like laced with something else. That's the most fucked up shit you can do to someone, honestly. Um, I, I mean, I've, I've enjoyed every hallucinogenic, psychotropic experience for the most part that I've had, right? Um, but like sometimes it gets know. a little dicey, but all in all, it was a good experience. Yeah, right. <laughs> for the most part, I've learned some shit. I feel like I'm more well-rounded than the average person because I've done it. I mean, I've survived, but 
Um, I've also survived because I knew what I was getting. I knew who I was getting it from. I trusted who I was getting it from. And I was a, I was confident that I wasn't getting something I wasn't asking for. And I haven't um, to this to this time, at least been, um, you know, uh, taken on a ride, as it were. So uh, that's a good thing. But the fact that this happens, like I would never do that to anyone. I always told, even when I was just hanging out with someone who like, was like, oh, yeah, I'd love to smoke some pot. You know, <laughs> I would tell them, hey. The stuff we smoke is pretty, it's very good weed. We're not talking about some, you know, some dirt weed that you had in college. Like, this is some good stuff. I always warn people, too. Like, you're going to get really high, you know, um, so just be prepared. And they can make the decision for themselves, right? But to do this without, you know, just, just doing it, that's just, ah, man, so sketchy. Especially to make a buck. How, how fucking savage. So we're going to move on uh, yeah. to San Francisco. Get your shit together. This is uh, Saving San Francisco, episode three, Big Angry Monsters. And it looks like they may be starting to get to the point because we watched episode one of this thing and then we watched episode two and they were the same episode. Well, let's let's kick back and see. There's episode four just got released yesterday, too. So next week we'll we'll we're uh, soon. Sorry, we'll hit up uh, episode four. But let's let's check this out. When was the last time you just stared at the ocean? Well, I'm doing it right now. The waves. Some are small and harmless, others massive, even dangerous. But the interesting thing is that waves don't stay the same. Even those roaring giants at one point used to be gentle ripples. How we view a wave really depends on what point in time we meet it. And we often don't have the opportunity to know what that wave was like minutes or even seconds before. Oh my god, I'm already tired of this shit. <laughs> Should that matter? Should we take the time to appreciate what it used to be? This sweater. Or just judge it purely by the threat that it poses right now? <laughs> That's not ominous. Get your monsters. What the fuck is this? This guy calls into public comment in San Jose. What we know about James Durgan is based. Oh, fuck, it's James Durgan again. God damn it. Here's James tossing. Hold on, I'm going to go get some caffeine. I'll be right back. Thursday night in San Francisco. He's camping out in front of a closed restaurant and apartment building when two people arrive. There's no audio on the security camera, but you can see them talking. James looks sort of playful as he bounces from side to side. Just before, he appears to lunge for the door and repeatedly try to yank it open. About two minutes later, those same people hose James down, soaking him and all his stuff. James is accused of punching the man off camera and also faces hate crime charges based on what he yelled at that Asian family. Uh-oh. So how exactly does someone get this way? Homeless, drug addicted, violent. Who was he before? And what happened? He was just Dude. like you, but God. God, we went over this in episode two for fuck's sake. Thousand miles across the country to the hometown, James Durgan. Yeah, you already did this. We saw that exact picture of your plane. Oh my God. To really understand how Durgan got to where he is today, and we, we saw mom. Needed to learn more. About we saw the same fucking beach. So oh God, your, your documentary sucks. Massachusetts. It's a fairly wealthy suburb just south of Boston, 
right on Cape Cod. There's waves there too. Where did the waves come from? What were they doing a minute ago? It's an American dream to grow up here. Anne Antonellis is a Duxbury native. The music has been president of the town's business association for about two decades. Oh, Living in Duxbury, you somewhat have to be well off because the house prices are very expensive. So, oh, I see. It's difficult because on Cape Cod, you don't say. Love, sometimes the people can't stay. Shocking. Because of the expensiveness of the town. Driving through Durkin's hometown, it doesn't take long for you to see a God, lot. It looks just like Martha's Vineyard. Yeah, it's, a, it's, fucking, it's like old East Coast money. Yeah, for sure. But God's like, fuck this shit, man. My brown ass could never afford this shit. And beautiful beaches. I could easily have spent my whole life there. I, I love it. I miss it so much. These are different waves. To the house of James Durgan's older brother. We actually oh, spent great. weeks calling and writing him, but never heard back. So imagine that he, he didn't want to talk to us. He, oh, I don't want to. He doesn't want to imagine that. He doesn't want to talk to me. So I'm going to go to this fucking super upscale part of Cape Cod and bother him. I'm going to go to his house. I'm going to knock on his door. He didn't respond to my emails. So this is like the only action this police department's seen in like three weeks, right? Is EJ Durgan here? Who are you? Okay, so EJ Durgan, James's brother, wasn't home, but I did talk to EJ's wife. I told her I was a reporter, and as soon as I mentioned that I was doing a story on James Durgan, it seemed like her eyes started watering. She promised me that she would pass along she was like this dog may not look look the dog's barking at me. She's like, He's willing to talk to us. dog may not look vicious but get the fuck out of here yeah like it looked like i upset her day, we headed to james's old high school it wasn't there turns out it was torn down and rebuilt a few years ago but we heard they kept the old yearbooks at the town library there he is, James M. Durgan, class. We saw that picture last week. So he would have been about 19 years old here. Okay, so what's interesting? But if he was in high school, no, he wouldn't have been. Photos for Durgan's senior and freshman years of high school. But what would have been his junior and sophomore years, we found no mention of him. That's when oh. he was um, in, in some kind of rehab. Dr. Jay oh. Cummings is a school superintendent oh. in Southeast Massachusetts. About 3,300 students, six schools. He's a former principal, teacher, and he was college roommates with James Durgan. Oh, fancy. went by Jimmy. They knew he had Jimmy. time, stopped high school, gone to therapy. Former roommate. Um, finished and graduated. To deal with some kind of addiction. Correct, yep. And my impression was it was alcohol addiction. I have to say, in all the years that I lived with him and knew him really well, I never saw him even flirt with drinking, drugs. Um, he had closed that door, it was sealed, and he was moving on in a, in a great direction. So didn't drink, didn't do drugs? Never. At all? Never. And I can remember him saying that if he had a single drink, if he had any kind of drug use, that would almost open a, a door that would be incredibly powerful and incredibly negative for him and for everybody else. And, and that always stuck with me. 
How would you describe that Jim Durgan? Probably the most full of life I've ever seen in an individual before or since. He was the best friend I ever had. He, it was almost like a big brother to me. The two met as freshmen at St. Anselm College, a small private Catholic school in Manchester, New Hampshire. James majored in literature. I thought he was going to end up being an actor or a writer. There was nobody I thought that would be more successful. Looked Even like as Kavanaugh. a college student, James was drawn to fame. In fact, he told stories about being friends with band members from Aerosmith. Well, he was probably lying. Back in 1988. Actually, that's that not impressive. A pretty big deal. And I always thought he was full of it. Sure enough, one day out of the blue, up to our dorm, pulls up, uh, I think it was a white Lamborghini. And out of it came one of the guitarists from Aerosmith. Who that guy. Dorm room. <laughs> I don't even know his name. Long conversation. Hung He's got out. a Lambo, Is he though. Heather? Jim Durgan. Joe Perry? And took off. And uh, Dolph Lundgren. didn't even say I told you so. Jay tells us he and James stayed close for years, even lived together after college. He Ooh, says James ultimately fancy. moved to California to chase his dreams of being a writer. But wound up here and that's where it all went wrong cattle farm and now it's a school with 50 acre campus we have about 400 students here my name is hubby clark i'm an environmental science teacher i work at woodside priory school and i was able to work with jim durgan here back probably oh, really? about 20 years ago he says james durgan was hired to live in the dorms of the school as part of the faculty james taught creative writing to high school juniors and seniors he also had a passion for physical fitness and coached track and cross country. How would you describe him? Jim was instantly energetic, fun, bright, intense guy with a real spark of life. The two became close friends while working here at the boarding school. There, none of these are ever like, actually, he was kind of a piece of shit. But Jim quit after about three years. It's unclear why. This guy was a total asshole. That is until about six years ago when Hovey saw James camped out on a sidewalk in San Francisco. I was aware of somebody, you know, sitting um, against uh, the, the storefront, and I heard him say, Hovey. And it was a really jarring, um, unnerving moment to recognize that this was somebody that I had been close with. His good friend and former teacher had become one of the city's more than 8,000 homeless. Did you do anything to help him? Nah, fuck that. No, first time. Since then, James has been arrested and released repeatedly for a range of crimes. Yes, we've seen this. Violence and drug use. At one point, he... Drug use, violence, drug custody, use. Walking Escaped. Out of Escaping from federal custody is some fucking ninja shit. There were also Seriously, good for him. With Hovey. Last time I saw Jim was probably three or four years ago, and a naked man in extremely good physical condition ran right in front of my car. And all of a sudden I realized, whoa, that was Jim Durgan. In those years of teaching. <laughs> I've seen that penis before. Everything, <laughs> this might be his path. Not in a million years, no. So how did a charismatic, athletic, and well-respected English teacher I like this, Helene. You're convinced it all dates back to one particular day. Mm -hmm. What happened? So this goes back over 20 years ago. He said he went to a oh. party somewhere you know, in California oh. and mm -hmm. had been offered crack in turn oh. 
from there, it, it seemed That's from afar, it. from 3,000 miles away, like an incredibly fast spiral into where we are now. And once that door opened, this guy. Sense. This was the same best friend who attended his wedding, even held his children. But today, much of their relationship lives in letters. James often writes from jail. Jay Bird, I realize that we haven't spoken in a while. I'm sure at some point you must wonder, gosh, what must it be like to be in jail? It isn't easy, and I'm totally ready for this to be officially over with. And Jay has written letters to the court. Dear Judge Oreck, on James' behalf. Jim was definitely one of the funniest, most vibrant, creative, and kind people I have ever been in contact with in my life. He was one of the greatest people I had ever met. And if you release him, whatever you do, don't send him to my house. <laughs> do not feel remand like him to my custody. One of the greatest people you've ever met. Yeah, yeah. And it, oh. it's almost illogical, but, but yeah, I stand by that. No, you're like friends. Like, it's not illogical at all, bro. My roommates are boss. The next morning. Well, that's enough of that. We got to, <laughs> we got to keep going here. But again, like most of that was the same shit from the first two. Yeah. I, I love all of my roommates, man. The people I've lived with, like I trust them all with my life, frankly. Like I wouldn't live with you if I didn't trust you. So that's, you know, that's, that's why you step up for your, per, your friend, not because, you know, uh, whatever reasons he was given anyway um well yeah th th again i'm 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 struggling with i'm still struggling with the title of this entire series saving san francisco like it's a, we call this sf get your shit together because we originally started this because sf just has a lot of shit that they get together um, a lot of it in front of a cupcake shop right uh you know literal shit right in front of an artisan, artisanal cupcake shop or literal corruption where it comes to like the public works department like having a nonprofit on the side that like you know brings in donations that help them right um so i there's all sorts of there is all sorts of corruption like in any city but it's not as though like this one guy can be used to represent like everything that's wrong with a city and i think it's really unfortunate for him and for his family and for everyone involved that that he is being used like in this way, and I'm, I, I it, it's, it's, it's unfortunate, and it's really disturbing, and I really hope a guy does not get another fucking award out of this because it's, it's, it's kind of revolting to be honest with you. It's, it's, it's everything that's wrong with local news, but that's why exactly that's exactly why it's perfect for down ballot, and it's exactly <laughs> why we it's exactly why we should we should definitely watch episode four next week. To see yeah, if of course. But if it's the same shit, right, for the for the first few minutes, we should just shut it off and, and admit to ourselves that these fucking assholes don't really care about providing any sort of substantive journalism. They just want to like win awards and, and go to fucking national NBC and, and be like Vicky Wynn and, and talk about the next big blender. <laughs> uh, you know, they could have done a, they could have done like a, a, a thing about him. Sure. Like it, it could have been, a, it could have been a commentary on the, the mental health system and the lack of services for people the lack of addiction services the lack of social services for people that are available for people and not just in san francisco everywhere you could talk about that but no they you know they're trying to make this they, they need to stir up some sort of shit to make it worthwhile for uh for people to tune in and to to give them awards and but god can lean against the hey man care about people hey I care. I'm Begad Shaban. 
That's so insulting to me with his little sweater leaning against the wall. Like, I know what's going on, man. So let's move on to down ballot and recall watch. And it turns, it looks like uh, the mayor of Antioch, California, the way I'm reading this was already facing recall and uh, now got a DUI. Is that? That's pretty much it. But let's, let's let the story play for itself. It'll tell you everything you need to know. Antioch residents working to recall Mayor Lamar Thorpe took to the streets today. As KPX 5's Devin Feely reports, organizers hope the mayor's recent DUI arrest will convince more voters to oust him. I was pulled over by the California Highway Patrol and cited for uh, driving under the influence. Criticism of Antioch Mayor Lamar Thorpe and his recent legal troubles has been swift and vocal. I think it's appalling to sit there and say I only had a drink, what was dinner at midnight, and then you left. Um, that's more than one drink. Mayor Thor broke the news of his own DUI arrest on Twitter Saturday morning, perhaps hoping to get ahead of the negative headlines and shape the narrative in the court of public opinion. Although I never felt inhibited by the drink I had with my dinner, I'm deeply sorry for the lapse in judgment, and I hope that you can forgive me. The mayor's leadership was already in question before the DUI, and his administration's been besieged by a recall campaign aimed at ousting him from office. Critics claim he violated open meeting laws and say crime's only gotten worse under his watch. He has done several things that violate city policy. Um, he's done things, he's lied to some of us about his policies. Like being black. He has shown that he does not have a regard for citizens. The mayor gave no indication that he plans to step down. Being your mayor is one of the greatest honors of my life, and I am sorry uh, I have, if I have embarrassed you in any way. Organizers of the recall have until a May 11th deadline to collect nearly 9,500 signatures to make it onto the ballot. Devin Feely, KPIX5. I think that dude's going to get recalled. Yeah, unfortunately, he, he just gave them a big, fat, wide opening and, uh, for Lori Orgorchok, who looks just like a Lori Orgorchok would, if you will, um, to to gather enough signatures to get on the ballot and to get this guy recalled. That sucks. Um, I don't know if he's a good or a bad mayor, but um, you know, if it is literally one drink at dinner and and he got pulled over and this this is what happened. I mean, shame on him for letting that happen. Um, but driving while black, you know, is not necessarily a crime, but it is in America in some cases. So, yeah, uh, I, I can't really tell why he was being recalled in the first place. Apparently there's crime um, <laughs> and the, the open meeting policy, I guess, was somehow corrupted. Um, I'm sure it's all bullshit, but this is just another example of giving them a reason. Don't give them a reason. Please don't give them a reason. Try to try to stay safe try not to fuck up don't make unforced errors especially if you're a black politician my god you're just one step away from being recalled no matter what so please be careful that's all <clears throat> so our last story here on down ballot watch before we get to end another thing is uh, apparently uh santa Clara county is facing sheriff staffing shortages which i had to make sure to slow down to say <laughs> yes, yeah, three times fast. It might be because of the, of the COVID, but we'll see. Well, just days ago, the only sheriff Santa Clara County has known for more than two decades said she won't run again. Now we're learning the next sheriff in Santa Clara County will have his or her hands full. They will take over a department mirrored in controversies. And as NBC Bay Area's Trio found out, on the verge of a possible staffing crisis. 
One word I hear a lot is morale or the lack of it here. Some deputies tell me privately that they're willing to lose their rank and move to another department then continue working here. They show up to work every day to protect the courtrooms and patrol the streets of Santa Clara County. But over the last couple of years, more and more Santa Clara County Sheriff's deputies have jumped ship, quitting the force, some say out of frustration. It's pretty frightening, pretty frightening. Uh, this is something that uh, in my 20 year career I've never seen with the sheriff's office. The president of the Deputy Sheriff's Association says just a couple years ago, the force had 530 deputies. He says that number is down to 370, with another 40 deputies in the process of interviewing for other departments right now. That includes lieutenants, who we're told will actually lose rank just to get out. And they blame the command staff. We're jumping from one crisis to the next, and, and at the end of the day, it requires dedicated leadership to be laser focused on the issues at hand. From the arrest of two top commanders, including the undersheriff, to a civil grand jury indictment of the sheriff herself, and accusations of mishandling the entire jail system. Many deputies say they've had enough. How vital is morale to the success of the department? Uh, it's number one. Eddie Garcia is now the police chief in Dallas. He faced a similar staffing and morale crisis when he took over the San Jose Police Department. Garcia says the new sheriff needs to be in lockstep with his or her deputies in order to serve the community and regain both the public trust and the department's trust. You have to ensure that you are willing to go through walls for the men and women, uh, and it's not the other way around. The sheriff did not respond to our request for an interview today. She has denied the grand jury allegations against her. And when asked last week why she's retiring. It's the public. It's not fair to the public to have this kind of a distraction. Deputies say all they want is the shine back on the badge. Damian Trujillo, NBC Bay Area News. In other words, I fucked up and I, there's no way I could possibly get reelected now. So I'm stepping aside. That's that's the reading between the lines there. Yeah, um, it's like it's like this department has been incredibly corrupt. Why are people quitting? Like not that okay, it's it's a kind of corrupt that the officers don't like. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um although I will say that the DSA, the De Deputy Sheriff's Association is not necessarily the most reliable narrator narrator normally. Um they they definitely have an agenda of their own. Um but yeah, the sheriff here is is on her way out and um it's, it's not surprising there's gonna be some turmoil there's gonna be some turnover um i did like uh it seems really straining to, to have to say his or her when it comes to the, the new sheriff why can we say there is that so hard just there it's very easy it's very easy pronouns oh, they don't want to piss anybody we do, off we can do this we can fucking do this we can make it easier for people to say shit so, so try there if you're having struggle with you know his or her or her or his or what to put first there very easy um interesting story right um but we'll, we'll see what happens the, the but the sheriff is not running that's the news by the way i don't know if we, we we've covered that in down ballot the the current sheriff Lori smith is not running for re-election that's big news unfortunately there's no one really of a high caliber running <laughs> to replace her because no one knew if she was going to run or not so the the folks who might might be decent um just aren't involved in this election we'll probably see them in four years when it when it comes up again but uh for now there's going to be some jackass in charge of the sheriff's department for the next four years we'll see who it is right on well we're up against it so we're going to get right into and another thing here this is um i don't know i guess man versus storm drain do it 
We are learning new details tonight about a man who was rescued from a storm drain in Antioch. Firefighters say he was down there for two days before yesterday's rescue. KTV's Alyssa Harrington has been following the story. So, Alyssa, how did he get down there? Yeah, Julianna, how does she know? She's in the studio. say they really don't know. They're also trying to determine where he entered that drainage system. They say he may have been crawling around through those pipes for quite some time. Now, they call these types of confined space rescues high risk and rare. And these firefighters you're about to see are specially trained. This is the dramatic ending to a complex rescue that lasted three and a half hours. A man was pulled from an underground sewer pipe. Firefighters say he may have been stuck down there for two days. This happened in Antioch Sunday, in an area of undeveloped land behind the grocery outlet on Buchanan Road. Jamie Lindsay said he was walking to the store when he heard shouting coming from a storm drain. The noise started getting louder and louder, and all of this, uh, I heard him screaming for help and he asked me to help him. I ended up calling the police. When firefighters arrived, they opened a utility hole and determined someone was trapped about 15 feet down. We did hear some cries for help. Um, we then upgraded to a full confined space heavy rescue response. Emergency crews set up two rescue points. On one side, a backhoe was ready to dig in case it was needed to break open the pipe. On the other side, four firefighters entered the hole, linked together and hooked up to oxygen. They found the pipe was clogged with debris, everything from garbage to tree limbs. It turns out that he had uh, crawled some fairly long distance through a very small stormwater drain pipe. Uh, had gotten to a point where that pipe was blocked by debris. He couldn't go forward, but he also couldn't go back because he was uh, pretty much stuck. Firefighters spent about an hour clearing the debris and finally reached the man. He was stuck in a section of pipe about 16 inches in diameter. He was in a pipe that some people have described to me as about the diameter of a uh, large pizza. Just before 9 p.m., the man was pulled to the surface. He was put on a stretcher and taken away in an ambulance. Look at a blurred his face out. He did not appear right? to have any injuries, and they don't know why he went down there in the first place. Those places are not created for human occupation. No shit. They're not safe. Now, we don't know the name of the man, but we are told that he's in his 30s and he was taken to the hospital for evaluation. Live well, we've seen his face. Alyssa Harrington, KTVU, Fox 2 News. Mm, that's really good. That man heard him calling for help and alerted the authorities there. Well, that's like a Shawshank Redemption, kind of like dragging yourself through a tunnel of poop to be saved on the other end. Glad he's okay. I didn't need to see his face. Yeah, yeah, they should have blurred his face out for sure. That's not, yeah. <clears throat> I don't know, that's not cool. If somebody, like, we don't know what happened. The guy could have just accidentally fallen in the pipe. We don't know. And so, like, don't show yeah. the guy's face. Don't, don't. Yeah, like, I didn't need to see him at all. Just see his, like, see him being carted off. And he's going to, you know, is he going to be okay? We'll find out, right? Um. So, yeah, kind of shady. Uh, We'll see. But, yeah, that, it sucks to be, like, covered in poop. That's awful enough. Um, but at least they, at least someone heard him. At least someone came to save him. And at least uh, he gets to live the fight another day. So good on him and good on the people that saved him. And good on you, listener, viewer, for tuning in tonight for another wonderful episode of Down Ballot. Yep. Thanks for listening to Down Ballot, everybody. You can find this show on your favorite podcatcher. If you're watching live, hang out just a bit. If you just joined us on Facebook Live, you caught the tail end of Down Ballot. Uh, you can catch that every week at 7.30 p.m. Pacific on Twitch. 
Um, this is Locals by Audible Smoke Signal, and we'll be back in 10 or so minutes with Local Love. Thanks again. Peace. Thanks for joining me again, Councilman. Peace out. <laughs> To get the party started Pick up my phone just to check and see who's calling Dress up real nice for the ladies at the bar And I'm driving in my car just to get to where they are Here at the local scene is where I plant my feet It's where I smoke my cigarette and I hold my drink I look at all my friends, they're all blazing greens Here at the front of the stage waiting for MTV Where are those guys who's standing next to me With a pipe in his hand ready to blaze for me About five minutes later we're all singing We now get the fuck up on Just when the magic starts kicking in I hear we left playing and you know it's time to head in Alright everybody, now it's time to grab a new drink Spark it if you got it and then pass it to me yeah. We do what we want And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band We do what we want What we want to do And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band The joint now, who's got my lighter? Stoner E, of course, shouldn't you be inside? I'm all up in this bitch, being who I gotta be. I'm fucked up like the US economy. The truth is, is that I don't think logically. Stoner E, take you on a psychedelic odyssey. Now, inside, motherfuckers is rocking me. And outside, shit, we smoke a lot of broccoli. Rocky the Rolly, all the sexy girl be jocking me. Ain't too drunk to fuck, but I'll probably do a sloppily. We do what we want. And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band We do what we want And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band We do what we want, what we want to do.
Sit back.